Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Hey, thank you for joining us again here at Patterns of Truth podcast. This is Brian Warren hosting an interview today. We are interviewing Brian Reynolds, who is a godly believer and teacher among the saints. He comes to us from Nova Scotia, Canada. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Good. Good, Brian. Good to be here. Yeah, we also have with us Peter Cadiz, as well as Patricia Forrester. We brought on Brian Reynolds because he has two real qualities that we need for this discussion. The first one is that he's a Canadian, and the second one is he's a Christian, and uh, we're thankful for both. The rest of us on on the panel here are United States, or I was going to say Americans, but I knew I would get in trouble if I said that. So we're all from the United States, and we're believers as well, and we're wanting to know more about the whole situation with Pastor Coates in Alberta, Canada, and the arrest, and a lot that's being said there about persecution. So we're going to be talking with Brian Reynolds and asking him about that. But before we do that, Brian, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and give our listeners a sense of where you're coming from? Gladly. Well, like you said, I live in Nova Scotia, which is on the east coast of Canada. I was saved in 1973 out on the West Coast, British Columbia, in the Jesus People Revival. And I guess you could say I'm full-time in the Lord's service, ministering around, although I'm sort of homebound right now with COVID. Not a lot of itinerant type of stuff going on. but So I like to share the Word of God with God's people. And this question now that's before us in the podcast tonight with James Coates, pastor out in Alberta, Canada, There's a lot of kerfluffle and buzz around this. My own thesis is that, if you want to put it that way, is that this is not persecution as it's sometimes painted. There are reasons why I feel that way. Now, my opinion is sort of a little bit of an outlier here. If you go by Christian Twitter, you know, on the other side, I believe there are legitimate questions here about personal rights, Christian rights, our submission to the Lordship of Christ, and the intersection with like obeying Caesar, you know, and where these intersect and where one ends and the other begins. That's a real question in this. So both aspects I would like to look at. Wow. So we got a lot to cover here. And uh, if you could please, Brian, give us some summary, bring us up to speed, because many people here in the United States, they, they know that Canada is there, but they don't know anything about it. Right. And so could you help us understand what, what is the scenario, the situation with Pastor Coates, with the arrest and the, the church fellowship there yeah. in Alberta, Canada? What's happened? Just about Canadians, like we are actually are Americans. We're just not U.S. citizens. Yeah, I know it's a bad thing. It's it's hard. Oh, you know, for for the U.S., it's like we're the world, right? We're the world. We're all that matters. But but we know that that's not the case. We're way up there. <laughs> pastor James Coates, he's pastor of Grace Life Church in Stony Plain, which is like a town connected with Edmonton, Alberta, and he's under arrest. He, he was in a remand center in Edmonton because. You know, he was disobeying the local health regulations there in Alberta about capacity in the church 
you know, social distancing and mask wearing, that type of thing. And he was of the mind that this interfered with the rights of the Lord Jesus Christ and the church. And so he disobeyed the, or wouldn't sign the undertaking, like legal undertaking from the authorities. I have like a little scenario here of of how the thing sort of unfolded. Actually, a police statement. I have the RCMP statement here may be helpful because it was the RCMP that put him under arrest. This is their view of it. We've been consistent in our, re- our approach of the escalated levels of enforcement with Pastor Coates, and we were hopeful to resolve this issue in a different manner. The pastor's actions and subsequent effects of those actions could have on the health and safety of citizens dictated our response in this situation. So what it was, it was a, an escalating series of events. And from the government's view, in order to have the rule of law, you know, a citizen continues to break the law then at some point you have to sort of pay the piper, you know, and push comes to shove. But uh, the pastor was sort of determined to go ahead with this. So he's been in the remand center, sort of a jail. But there's a lot of misconceptions around this, in my opinion. And I'm going by Christian Twitter, what I hear coming from uh, U.S. Christians, Mm -hmm. that he's in solitary confinement, for example. Canada's communists. Yeah. And all this sort of stuff. So It's really a lack of uh, information or a lack of knowledge in the situation. So to back up there just for a minute, just so that we have this really clear, my understanding just in, you know, maybe a 30 minute search, Mm -hmm. looking at various channels, is that we have a man here, a pastor of a church fellowship in Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta, and he has been told by the government that they can meet but the crowd needs to be 15 people, I think. 15%. 15%. Okay, so it's not even 15 people. It's just 15% of the congregation can be in person, mm-hmm. and they have to wear masks. Is that correct? That's right. So they have these stipulations. They can't have the whole congregation together. 15% of the congregation at a given time can meet together. Right. And Pastor Coates and this fellowship had been continually violating these or or disregarding these laws. Mm -hmm. And now he's been arrested. And and if I understand correctly, this church continued to meet even after his arrest. And this is an ongoing problem. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Now, I've heard that they might have put an order out to close it. But I believe the people are still gathering there in this type of thing. You see, the 15% capacity of the congregation is rather severe. Like most places in Canada, it's 30% or even 50%, like where we are, it's 50%. So it is rather severe. You can't overcome it by having a series of meetings, right? Yeah, right. The gospel is not interfered with. The message that the preacher preaches is not interfered with. But it's this idea of the health regulations, of how they sit with the spacing and the capacity and the masking of the face. But here's the thing, I got a little thing here from another pastor in the same area who actually knows James because they were friends. They went to, I think, the same school, Pastor Kevin Williams. And he says, we continue to regularly gather and sing and pray and fellowship, teach the word, observe the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We work very hard to have as many services as needed to accommodate everyone who wants to join us each Sunday. And we've gathered every week for the last eight months without turning anyone away. Hmm. So they done it by having rotating or revolving services. Yeah. Like you, it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. If you're willing to do it. So Pastor Coates has made this sort of a, a point of contention 
or a point of demonstration of this to show that only the Lord Jesus Christ has rights over the church, not the government. Mm. He's a student of Mass Seminary in California, which is connected with John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. John MacArthur has done basically the same thing. So I think he's following a little in that path. Yeah, and it seems that MacArthur is supporting him in this. Yeah. Okay. So there's a decision of these believers to really say, no, it needs to happen this way. There needs to be this schedule. We're not going to submit to the government's ordinances as concerns the health code. But other fellowships, like believers, are allowed to meet in Alberta. Yeah. And is this being done only to Christians or is this across the board to all gatherings? Public gatherings. Of course, you know, what they call essential things like grocery stores, shopping places for necessities stuff, they're open. But then you have to wear a mask in those places. It's just the same as probably where you are. (laughs) There's a couple of ironies here in all of this. One of them is that they're saying that we have a right to preach the gospel and no one can tell us how to do it. And that, that is true. We have, you know, Acts chapter 5, I think it's verse 29, that God's the higher authority, so we submit to him. If man tries to make us to disobey God, it's better to obey God rather than men. But the irony of this, I feel, is that in the end, this brings a negative view to the gospel because there's unbelievers around looking at this and can't figure out where the Christians doing this. And the other irony is that this is in Alberta. And I know for my American friends, they're not so familiar with Canada. Let me tell you, Alberta is Texas, okay? <laughs> there's plenty of Christians in Alberta. Well, there's tons of Christians. They're cowboys, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a Bible Belt. Canada has a Bible Belt. It's in Alberta. Yeah. There's a lot of Christians in the government there. Yeah. And the premier, Jason Kenney, is very sympathetic to Christianity. But this has really put them in a really immersing position where they're having to arrest a Christian. But I can guarantee you that Alberta is not communist. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee that. <laughs> So let me ask you a question here, because I think one thing that strikes me when I hear about this is the fact that very often I have heard of things going on in Canada through the grapevine. I shouldn't say that I'm knowing this a great deal in depth, but, you know, Christians here, we hear about the Canadian government's hostility toward Christianity with regard to hate speech measures, um, what can and can't be said about homosexuality. There was something back in 2019 about the province of Quebec making, uh, I guess, making restrictions on religious images that can be worn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that Christopher Kissinger has had a lot to say about what's going on with Pastor Coates. And he also spoke up at that point about this uh, restriction on religious apparel in Quebec. Is the Canadian government hostile to Christianity Do we see persecution towards believers by the Canadian government, if not in the Coates incident, in general? That's a little more difficult because I wouldn't say persecution. I would say, let's put it this way. Canada as a nation is a center-left country, where the United States is largely a center-right country. But even within Canada itself, like I say, Alberta, Alberta is way more conservative than Massachusetts or, you know, Vermont or New York or New Jersey, you know. So Canada's a big country. Just like the U.S., you have different areas, you know, different thinking. Quebec, that's a whole different story. They have a different legal system in Quebec. It comes from the Napoleonic era, where the English-speaking legal system comes from the British. And the reason why they outlawed, like, uh, religious symbols in Quebec had to do with mostly Islam. They had some upswing in terrorist stuff. So they, you know, said, 
in the government buildings. But there's a kickback of that because there's a lot of Catholic people in Quebec, and they still thought they should have the cross showing in the parliament and so on. But yeah, as far as the persecution, well, I would say it's not so much persecution as it is Christians can get into trouble, but from interest groups that may take you to court if you say something. Okay, so it take it to the court. You may win, you may lose, right? It's that type of thing. I mean, the government's not going to come and haul you off and put you in jail. We do have free speech under the Charter of Rights, just like the, in the United States, we have free speech. So society itself is leaning, the culture is leaning that way. And so there's, I would say, more of a cultural pressure. But that's coming your way, too. It's like my daughter worked in a bank here in our city. And when the gay parade time of the year comes around in July or whenever it is, all the people who were in the bank had to put, you know, the rainbow flag on their desk. Hmm. Okay. So in good conscience, she felt that she couldn't. Hmm. So she didn't. Yeah. All her fellow colleagues are looking at her and her boss is like, why are you doing this? Yeah. So that's cultural pressure. She didn't get fired or anything. Yeah. So there's societal hostility. And that will increase. We, we know that that type of thing will increase. Right? Yeah. But I don't believe yet we see official persecution. Like the Canadian government is not having pogroms and rounding up the believers and putting them in, you know, camps or torturing us. Like, you know, in the Middle East, Peter, you come from an area that knows persecution. I know many Christians from Romania. I go to Romania every year, and this year it was canceled. And I know the Romanians who went through the communist era with the dictator Ceausescu and how they would meet in the woods or meet in homes. They suffered real persecution. They went to jail. You know, it was official government persecution. Well, that is not here in Canada, but it is a left-leaning society. And there is cultural pressure. And the government has passed some of these laws about how we speak of others and, and this type of thing. That, that is true. Thank you. I'd like to give Peter and Patricia a chance to ask something or jump in, because I'm sure they have something they want to say. I guess my biggest question, and I think this is where the disagreement starts, right, at the core. What is the biblical definition of persecution? Because I think that being here in North America, we may have a perspective of what we think persecution is, whereas other people in different countries have a different perspective of what that is. And I get the sense that here in North America, the perspective is that anything that makes me feel any type of pressure, whether it's on my checkbook or socially, that is encroaching upon my rights. And anytime my legal rights from a particular nation feel like they are pushed up against, we may feel that that qualifies as persecution. But what's the actual biblical definition so we can recalibrate ourselves and kind of take our minds out of just being American or Canadian or wherever else and really like citizens of heaven? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a really good question because we use the term persecution, right? But what exactly is it? The Lord Jesus told the disciples in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. What I call that is the underground, uh, low-level buzz of hatred and animus that's just below the surface towards Christ. And if it's towards Christ, then it's towards Christians. But that's not necessarily what we persecute, sort of a nebulous word. I don't know if the Bible even really uses the word specifically. I guess there's some line where you cross where they're harming you, they're taking away your possessions. You know, like it says in Hebrews, the spoiling of your goods, 
you know, losing all of your so-called rights, you know, being put into prison and being bodily harmed, being tortured. If you want to look at persecution as like different levels, well, the one I read to you from John 15 or the example I gave you with my daughter, that's sort of the everyday thing as being Christians in a world that is opposed to Christ that we experience. To put the label persecution on that, I, I don't think really we can. But at some point, as you rise up into the levels, uh, we cross some magic line where we can say, yes, you know, that's persecution, especially if it's official, mm. you know, where the government is targeting you as a group, yeah. right? I don't believe in North America, the Christians are targeted as a group. But if you want to disobey the laws, then you, you make yourself a target in a way. But I don't believe we're targeted as a group yet. Now, that may come, right? That may come. But, for example, you know, just reading Revelation, and John was placed on the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God, testimony of Christ, under the Caesar uh, Domitian, okay? But that was an official persecution by Rome against the Christians, a legal writ, you know? You will hunt them down. You will gather them up. You will put them, you know, the same under Nero. Same down through the ages where there's official persecutions from the government. Or even if it's not so official, but it's a, a wink and a nod, you know, you know, go get them. But I don't believe we're, there, there's too much Christianity in North America and too much Christian influence still to say that we're at that state. But the animus is there. It's real. But w I wouldn't call it persecution. Peter? So you mentioned Brother Brian in the Middle East. So yeah, I, I can see, I guess there's different levels of per persecution when somebody is assaulted or shot in front of a church versus someone loses a job because he's a Christian. It's probably both our persecution, but different level of persecution. I'm a little bit digressing here, but in Second uh, Timothy, yeah, Second Timothy, it says that if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. So I don't feel I'm suffering persecution. Does that mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not living for Jesus Christ. Well, certainly, if you live godly in uh, the Roman Empire, when Paul wrote that, you would probably wouldn't be too long before you felt it. But I don't think we have to be obnoxious as Christians. Right. And then when we get pushed back, cry persecution. You know, for example, the situation we're talking about, these rules are in place on all sorts of gatherings. Because Pastor Coates decides, no, we're going to not submit to that. We don't believe that Caesar has the right to interfere with Christ's rights over his church. And what we do in here is our business. It belongs to the Lord. Yeah. And so he wants to push that. Well, then, if we believe in the rule of law, then it, that it should cover everyone. Why should the Christians get a special dispensation over the others? Right. They could, they could, the world could look at it in that way. Mm -hmm. So we have to be uh, sort of fair in that. If the Christians were specifically targeted, then I would say we're in trouble. But I, I don't detect that yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've stated that. I've stated it on Twitter. And boy, did I get an earful or a, a textful. A textful. <laughs> but, you know, it's like one person said they see this as an onerous interference in in their rights, especially as, as American Christians, somehow. Oh, you got something there, Peter? Yeah, well, just before, I, I don't want to forget. I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> you said that there was no restriction or did not cause any hindrance of the gospel, right? Or it was both, because you could have done multiple 
you know, services. But what if it did cause hindrance to the gospel? And it could, you know, have different situations. Does that mean we have a right to break the law because it does hinder the gospel? Yeah, well, I mentioned the verse in Acts where the apostles said that they were going to continue to preach because it's better to obey God rather than man. We respect the authorities. You see, this whole question could be a whole podcast in in itself, like Romans 13. It's just not Romans 13. It's also Titus chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. They're also part of that discussion. But in this case, I don't believe that, that the gospel was hindered. But yes, we're commanded to preach the gospel. If the government or the courts or whatever says, no, we figure that we said that now this is hate speech, you're not allowed to, then we continue to. Right, okay. And let, let it go. And if they call you off, then the spirit of Christ and glory rests upon you. <laughs> it says in Peter, the spirit of glory and of Christ rests upon you. But what I'm feeling about this really is that the source, the source of this is they feel that it's onerous and heavy handed. And really, I think it emanates from a political ideology, a political feeling. Uh, Sorry about that. These all these contraptions, you know, Uh, a political ideology of sort of like a libertarian spirit. Right. Where it's not really the rights of Christ that are in question, but my rights, Hmm. our rights. Mm -hmm. That's something else. Our rights than the rights of Christ. And sometimes as sort of a Christian nationalism where these things get sort of blended together, what we figure our rights sort of blends into what we say are the rights of Christ. There's another thing here too, and I don't want to judge anyone's motives, but you know some of these churches are hurting because the congregations aren't coming out and the funds are way down. And I'm not saying that in the case of Pastor Coates, that was his motivation. In his case, I believe it's more from the political end of things. But I feel in some cases it may be that we got to get the people back. I was thinking about what you were saying, Brother Brian, about how a lot of these issues are very blended, right? Where does like the knowledge of the word of God start and then political influence end? All of these things to be mixed up. But I think once again, it's just another opportunity to say like, how well do we know our Bibles? Because I think that the conversations about saying, well, we have to obey God rather than men is absolutely correct. And then yet we still have verses that say that the Lord wants us to live a quiet and peaceable life. And it also says that we should submit. And so you say, how do Lord, how do I know when to do what? Right. And I think, I think when we get into times like these and we hear maybe like a gut reaction is, well, you know, we have to stand up for our rights. We have to rebel. We have to ask ourselves, does God ever tell us to rebel? Yeah. You know, whenever he tells us to stand up, it's always to submit to him and never to rebel against anything else. And I think that that's really the hard part. Maybe we all have a lot of unchecked rebellion And it's not always as genuine as we may think it is, or maybe it is. I'm not sure, but I hear that at times in these discussions. Yeah, I'd like to follow up with that and maybe turn that into a question to you, Brian, as we begin to close. I took some time to listen to Coates' sermon, the sermon he preached before he was arrested, and also to some of the things that Kingsinger has been putting forward. And what struck me was a real disconnect between what Scripture says about persecution and how we respond when the government does something that jeopardizes our freedoms or that we feel jeopardizes our freedoms. Mm -hmm. 
it really felt like the discussion was coming from a desire to avoid persecution. And I, I wonder if, as believers here in North America, we're missing the point. Right? It seems that the goal, instead of the goal being to get the gospel out there, the goal is to avoid persecution and avoid difficulty. And let's say this was persecution. Let's say that all of a sudden Alberta becomes a very anti-Christian. Mm -hmm. Is the conversation really supposed to be about what the government of Alberta should do? Is, is that really what Pastor Coates should be saying, that this is what the government should do? Because I, I noticed in his sermon, a lot of it was about what the government should be doing. And that seemed off base. I know we're almost out of time, but this is an important question that you're bringing up here. Because persecution historically has actually helped the church. My friends in Romania tell me when they were under the communist persecution, all the Christians were tight together and there was zeal for the gospel, right? Because now that they're joined with the European Union and there's no persecution, you know, everybody's falling away. The young people are going crazy, <laughs> right? So the object is not, it should not be to avoid persecution. But I believe that some of that feeling comes from this libertarian spirit, you know, and it's sort of a, a political ideology that says, my rights trump everything. I've even had them tell me on Twitter that Romans 13 has no validity since the American Constitution was written, that it overrides Romans 13. I've literally had them tell me that. Well, okay. I mean, if you want to believe that, go ahead. But I don't think so. You'll find out, you know, when they come to arrest you, you'll find out how much, <laughs> who has the authority and who doesn't, right? Right. No, you're exactly right in that point. Not that we're looking for persecution, but why is there a big discussion? What's the big discussion here? The Lord's not worried about persecution. As we close, Brian, where can people find you if they want to get more information or hear more about what you have to say on this topic and others? I have a YouTube channel. It's called Words of This Life. I mean, you can put it in the search engine there on YouTube, Words of This Life. Someone contact you. You can give me my email address or whatever. I did have a written blog, but that's that's complete right now. But that may come up again at some point. But yeah, my YouTube channel, uh, Words of This Life. Thank you very much. Brian Reynolds, a faithful teacher of the Word of God from Nova Scotia, Canada. Again, Words of This Life, you can see it on YouTube. Brian also has some material that we will be posting on PatternsofTruth.org as the weeks go by. So please keep your eyes out for that as well. Thank you very much, Brian Reynolds, Peter, Patricia. It's been a good podcast. Again, if you are interested in learning more, perhaps this has gotten you ruffled up and riled up or curious or contentious, we value your comments, your thoughts, your feedback, and especially your questions at PatternsOfTruth.org. Again, PatternsOfTruth.org. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out PatternsOfTruth.org where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.